the restaurants you love, the food you crave, and the people that make it all happen. We tell their stories on the Paper Trails Podcast with Albemarle Paper Supply. What's going on, guys? How are you? And welcome back to the Paper Trails Podcast. This is Season 3, Episode 6, and we are at Community Matters Cafe with Kyle Johnson. Thanks so much, Kyle, for for coming on the pod. Appreciate it. Looking forward to uh, getting to know you, our conversation, um, just your background in our space, food, and everything in between. And so thanks for coming on. Appreciate it. Um, So why don't we do this? Why don't we start back? Okay. All right. Um, Where are you from? Uh, Growing up? You know, let's give us some, some, some context, some background on yourself, and then obviously we'll fast forward to being an executive chef at Community Matters Cafe, which, side note, I am a fan. I've come Appreciate here it. a dozen times. I always get the same thing, the bacon, egg, and cheese with some fruit. Nice. It's so good. It's an awesome spot. You know, we'll, we'll show you guys some B-roll of, uh, of, of the cafe, but always dishing out great coffee, good food. And so, anyway... Uh, yeah, man. Let's you know go into some, some, you know, some, you know, some you know, your, your background. Sweet. Yeah. So originally I'm from uh, New Orleans, Louisiana. Okay. Um, came from a big family. I'm one of six. Okay. Um, and like within the culture of New Orleans, art and food and festivities is just ingrained in everybody. Okay. Um, so if you're not doing sports, you're doing art of some capacity, um, and it's hard to avoid. It's just part of the culture. So. Growing up, um, really big into sports. Uh, played baseball from five to fifteen. Um, main, main sport was baseball. Main sport was baseball. That was the only sport, really. Okay. Um, tried at basketball, sucked at basketball. Okay. Parents didn't let me play football. What position were you in baseball? Shortstop. Okay. Yeah. Um, and so, did baseball. Did the baseball thing for a while, but I wanted to do some other extracurriculars. Okay. And I was homeschooled. Uh, grew up homeschooled. Okay. And uh, I kind of wanted to get that school experience sure. sort of thing. So. My sisters had enrolled in a conservatory art school called NOCA, Orleans Center for Creative Arts. Okay. Uh, it was really well known for producing some of the best artists out of New Orleans. Okay. So the likes of Harry Connick Jr., Anthony Mackie, Wendell Pierce, the Marsalis family, uh, John Batiste, um, and so many more had went through this school. And it was a middle school through high school, like professional arts training program. Okay. Um, and so when my sisters went, my sisters went for media arts and creative writing. I wanted to get that experience. So I used to play uh, instruments. I used to play the piano. I used to play the saxophone. Okay. So I'm like, oh, well, I'm going to try out for the, you know, the um, band program. Uh-huh. Um, I went to an open house to see what they did, and I'm like, I'm not doing this because uh, I suck. Um, because, you know, these kids were coming in, you know, super high level. You know, most of them had already been playing big bands in New Orleans. Um, like, you know, you had to come in having knowing how to read, completely read all music. You had to have, come in with one composed piece, one piece completely memorized. Um, doing a chord and then like if you went to the jazz program which I tried out for basically like just off the top of your head finish it how you think it should sound wow and you're like these are 12 13 year olds doing this and I said I do not have the capacity <laughs> I do not have the capacity you knew your skill set yes and you I don't like... have the capacity or the skill set for that <laughs> at all okay so I literally looked at the list of the available disciplines that they had what the requirements was because you're already in the school no, I'm not. Oh, okay, my, okay. my sisters are in the school. Okay, gotcha, gotcha. Okay, okay. And I really wanted to go because okay. I wanted because it was a high school, but you could go just for the art. Okay. And so, I looked at all the disciplines, and on the side of it, it said, you know, what it took to get into, like, because it was by tr- uh, by tryout because it was a, it was free. It was a it was a um, it was a public school. Okay. And so the easiest one to get into was culinary, which was new that year. That was the first year they had culinary. Okay. Um, all you had to do was interview and have a, and write a resume. So I'm like. I can do that. 
So I did that, and they weren't really turning anybody away at that point because that was the first year of the program. Yeah. So I did like a two-week session over the summer with that. Before that, I had literally outside of just like being in New Orleans and around food culture in New Orleans, I had no professional interest within food. Okay. But it really just piqued my interest. Um, you know, grew up always watching like Emeril Lagasse on TV, um, you know, Bobby Flay, John Besh, all those guys, Anthony yeah. Bourdain. And so I'm like, well, let's try this out for two, for two weeks over the summer. So I tried it out for two weeks over the summer and absolutely fell in love with it. Um, and you you're know, how old? 10, 12? I was, I was 12. Okay. Um, just, you know, a, it unearthed a passion there that I didn't know existed. Wow. Um, and I think what I liked about it the most is that it kind of like brought in that same feeling of being in sports, being on a baseball team, being within a team, having to communicate, you know, having to lead, you know, knowing your role and your place and growing yeah. and the competitive nature of it, I was really attracted to. And so I did that for two weeks. And then you can also, you can do like a summer session kind of as a tryout. And then if you do well in that, and if you as a student likes it for a full year session where it's like throughout the whole school year doing that. So I applied for that. And at that time they were kind of like busing us out to another school that had a kitchen. And then uh, Emeril Lagasse, you know, really famous yeah. chef out of New Orleans. Um, he actually donated like $1.5 million to build a kitchen, like state-of-the-art kitchen wow. at the school. And then he brought in his former executive chef who was his chef in his Las Vegas restaurants to come and teach us. And because she actually formerly had graduated from that school a like, long time ago for dance, but got into the culinary industry. She was the, I wanna say she was the first female executive chef on the Las Vegas Strip. Wow. Um, so she came in, she was our teacher. Um, what was that like? Uh, she was a, I say this now, she's, she's today one of my best friends and one of my greatest mentors I've ever had. Um, but she scared the life out of me <laughs> as a kid. I mean, it was, it was militaristic. Really? It was militaristic. Wow. Every day she would line us up. We'd have to hold out our hands. She would check our fingernails. The guys, she would check to see that they were clean shaven, make sure that our uniforms were properly pressed, that there was no stains. And any of that was out of line, she would send us home. She didn't care where we came from. Um, in terms of like, you know, how far back home we had to go or whatnot, she would send us home for the day. If we, and that was every single day. What do you think that taught you? Like, what do you, I mean, cause 12 years old, man. I mean, like that's, it was intense. I mean, I feel like that is such a good setup for the rest of your life. I mean, at the time I get it. It, mm -hmm. it wasn't fun probably, yeah. but now looking back, I mean, I bet that was just. Oh, I mean, it, set the, it set the foundation for um, standard for me, uh, like how to present myself, how to properly talk to people. I mean, well, one, my parents set that standard first, but going into an industry I had no experience in, like knowing how hierarchy worked, uh, knowing the proper ways to communicate to people in a loud and oftentimes like kind of violent atmosphere that yeah. you can be in, like how to, how to conduct yourself, how to carry yourself. So that's kind of what she instilled in us too, wow. like to first be good followers and that led to be good, being a good leader. Um, so yeah, so I did that from um, eighth grade till senior year of high school. Okay. Um, and the funny thing is, is the, um, coursework that they gave us was because John, uh, Emerald Gossie went through Johnson Wales coursework that they gave us was Johnson Wales curriculum. Okay. Um, so, and we like went through the whole book basically. So by the time I was probably like a junior in the program, I won't, I didn't not get a degree or anything, but based on the coursework that we went through, we had the equivalent of like a bachelor's degree wow. in culinary arts. It was very intense. We did a lot of, um, internships and externships. Um, so we worked oftentimes with Emerald Lagasse. We would help volunteer with his, uh, um, his nonprofit groups throughout the city for big events. So through that, I got the chance to work with some really cool chefs. So at the time I had no idea about, um, so like um, I think one year Thomas Keller came through one of the events that we worked with. Um, Anthony Bourdain was there my uh, eighth grade year, but I had no idea who he really was back then. 
um, you know, Mark Forgione and his dad, um, a lot of big names throughout that time that we got to collaborate with and do things with as wow. kids. Yeah. Um, and that really, you know, exposed me to a lot at a young age um, to have a better understanding of the industry. And so, and I was still playing baseball at the time too, and a pretty high level. And so I, sophomore year, I came to a point of where, all right, you know, baseball is becoming more serious and cooking is becoming more serious. Like, you know, by the time you're a sophomore or junior, you know, if you're doing it seriously, that's when scouts are starting to look at you. Yeah. And so I'm like, I need to focus on one. So I went to a more serious league my sophomore year. Um, and I was also like doing more internships um, with culinary. Yeah. And I got injured uh, my sophomore year. The year before when I was freshman, I broke my thumb. So I was out for a while. And then sophomore year, on the exact same day, the following year when I broke my thumb, I got hit by a pitch and got cartilage damage in my wrist. And so that put me out for like 10 months of baseball activity. Wow. And so you know, I said, you know what, the rehabbing and stuff, the amount of effort I have to have to put in to catch up, to be able to be looked at at scouts, to possibly get a scholarship to play in college. Um, I don't think I want to put that amount of effort in, in terms of taking away from the effort I would put in in cooking. Yeah. So after that, I decided to focus on cooking. Um, and like I said, like I did events and stuff all around the city. I worked on a food truck, um, you know, major like, uh, you know, uh, festival events and things like that. And so eventually, you know, went through the whole school thing. Uh, Emerald Goss gave me a scholarship to go to Johnson & Wales. Wow. So uh, I got put in, I came to Johnson & Wales here in Charlotte. So I ended up here. Okay. And uh, with the former culinary experience that I had, I was able to go into a fast track program that Johnson & Wales offered uh, where I could do my whole freshman year in like two months over the summer. So I did that, knocked out my freshman year, um, and really like, you know, I was a super stoic, you know, kind of no-nonsense guy um, throughout high school and college because I was just very focused on my craft. And so like I just, all I did was work and built relationships with people while I was in school. Smart. I didn't really do smart. the, I didn't do the stereotypical college thing good for you. at all. Um, I made good relationships, I still have good friends and things like that, but like, I think I may have went to two parties my entire time in college. Yeah. Um, and yeah, just built relationships, did a lot of events. Um, and by the time I graduated, um, I went right into work. I worked at the, um, my first job out of college was at the Asbury um, at the Dunhill Hotel. That's right. Um, started there as a line cook. How was that? How was that experience? It was good. Like stepping in, what do you think? I mean, it sounds like you were pretty prepared uh -huh. because like you took things pretty serious. I mean, not, not only did you, I mean, you went to high school, but you also got a background in culinary. Now you're in culinary school, fast tracked. Yeah. I mean, I'm getting into like your first experience, were you ready? Do you mm. think, I mean, how, how was that? It was, I was very prepared for it. The most confusing part for me was knowing where I stood as a leader. Like if I know I can do X, Y, and Z, but I'm not like, I, they didn't bring me as a sous chef. They didn't bring me in as a chef de cuisine or anything like that. I'm a line cook. Yeah. It's always having the respect of the people above me, mm. where just because one, if they want to do something differently than I would do it, that doesn't mean that they're wrong. Um, so that was a bit of a learning curve, like very, very early on. But I was like, I feel like they'll find more respect in me by always showing them respect and those opportunities That's will good. come when good. I can do that. And so I just waited my time. Uh, eventually a couple of months in, they made me sous chef, which was cool. Um, and the foundation that I built there was great because um, I worked with um, a guy who ended up being my best friend, another guy who's one of the best chefs in the city who we collaborate and do a lot of events together, a guy named uh, Brandon Staden, um, who is now the, one of the head chefs under Greg Collier. Um, you know, uh, a lot of my friends, best friends who are now, I've, I've met through there. Um, and then just working at the Asbury, having that title of sous chef, 
got to do events and meet other people where it's expanded, just ex expanded my reach in the chef community here in Charlotte. Yeah. Um, so, I mean, I love my experience at the Asbury, um, the people I got to meet, the things that I got to do. Yeah. Um, and then eventually, um, one of my former coworkers who was a front house manager at the Asbury had left the Asbury to come open up a new cafe under the Charlotte Rescue Mission. Okay. Um, and I didn't think anything of it because I used to think the Charlotte Rescue Mission was a dog shelter. Okay. Um, you know, and so I didn't think much of it when she left there. And so my personality is um, I always try to be light um, wherever I go, whatever room I walk into. Awesome. I never know, you know, where somebody has been, their experiences or whatnot. And I had a very blessed life growing up, you know, and I understood my blessing at a really young age. So I'm like, well, if I've been blessed with all of this, then, you know, what position am I to not try to give back anywhere and everywhere that I can? And it's not just like in a monetary sense, but with my attitude, how I talk to people, how I treat people um, with my time. So whenever I walk in a space, you know, I'm always like, you know, communicating with people. You know, one big thing I do is like, I will always, if I walk into somewhere in the morning, I will go and tell everybody in their good morning before I start my work, um, just greeting people. Have you always been like that? Yeah, always. That's something, that's something you got from your parents? Absolutely, yeah. My parents were really big on um, not just respect, but making people uh, feel, feel valued and feel cared. Um, my parents grew up in a very rough situation. My parents are both from Louisiana, but not New Orleans. Um, and, you know, they just, you know, just, you know, 70s, 80s, you know, living in, you know, poor black communities, you know, their life wasn't easy. And so when, you know, they met each other and got married and decided to have kids, they're like, well, we're going to put our, instill in our children um, something that can help other people not grow up in those same situations that grew, we, we grew up in. Um, and so, you know, it was always kind of my, I felt my purpose to be able to do that in whatever space I was in. Um, so, you know, I, you know, kind of like start feeling my light going away when I was at the Asbury a little bit and nothing like specific per se, but I think it was just, you know, just getting caught in the monotony of like, sure. we're a cog in the system. We're here to make money for somebody else. And if we're not doing that, then there's not much other value mm -hmm. in us. Um, and that's, you know, again, that's not a shot of the Asbury anywhere. That's, that's sure. most, that's most company. That's corporate I, I get it. America. It is 100%. what it is. I understand. And I just realized that that wasn't me sure. at all. Um, so uh, my friend and former coworker who was the GM who had came to open up here, um, my pastry, our pastry chef at the time, um, who is also my current coworker here at the, um, at the cafe, um, she came in, she looked at me one day, and I think what happened is I didn't say good morning, which I had always done every single day. I didn't say good morning. Okay. And she said, Kyle, I don't think you should work here anymore because it's draining you. Because uh, I, was, I, mean, I was pushing like 60, 70 hour weeks, like every week. Um, and she's like, but I think you should go and look into the cafe. Wow. Have you said anything to anybody at that point or no? No, I didn't say a word to anybody. So she just read, she just read the room, read you, yep. your demeanor, your ad, the whole thing. And you're just like, you know what? You're not happy here. Yep. Wow. Yep. Like close friend? Yeah, close friend. I, have, yeah. I, I, don't, I don't think it would have to be close friend to really like know you like that, right? Yeah. And, but like you said, like I never had said anything to anybody about it. I never said that I was unhappy. I, didn't, I don't even think I knew I was unhappy. I just think I was like, oh, well, I'm waking up, I'm coming to do my job, yeah. I'm clocking in, then I'm yeah. clocking out. And if you're always giving your all, um, in turn, you're emotionally, spiritually, physically with something, 
and are getting close to no reciprocation yeah. from it, then yeah, you'll you'll get drained very, very quickly sure. from that. And she's um, now a coworker here? Yes. Who is it? Uh, Miranda Martin. Shout out to Miranda. Yeah, shout out to Miranda. God, she's that what a, what a friend, man. Right? You know, I mean, I think it takes a real friend that really knows you to be to be willing to say something like that. Yeah. Right? Absolutely. And wow. Especially because, like, it probably would have made her job harder for me to leave, too. Yeah, um, I'm sure. I'm sure. And so she told me I should hit up um, our former coworker, Jenny, who's also my coworker now here at the cafe. Okay. Um, she said I should hit her up about this um, new cafe that she's helping open. Uh -huh. Like, I thought it was a, I said, I don't want, I mean, I like dogs, but I don't know if I'm trying to go work at a dog shelter. And she's like, no, 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 it's not that. You should go and check it out. So I looked up on the internet what the Charlotte Rescue Mission was, um, and potentially, I don't even know if the cafe had a website. Um, and I'm like, okay, I'm interested. So that day, I went and I texted Jenny, and I'm like, hey, Jenny, you know, I heard kind of what y'all are doing, and I'm, I would like to come in, and like, I'm interested. Yeah. And she says, Kyle, this is crazy. I was literally just texting you, texting you no. because we're looking for another chef wow. to be here. I was like, oh, wow. I'm like, well, I don't know if I'm looking for another job, but I would just like to see what y'all are doing. Because I was already- Just out of curiosity? Mm -hmm. Yeah, like literally, like I wasn't, I, I had no plans of leaving. Cause I, I mean, I hadn't been, I'd been sous chef at that point for maybe four or five months. Okay. I just got a raise. So I'm like, I mean, I'll look, but I, I have, don't yeah, really yeah, have any yeah, intentions yeah, yeah, to do yeah. it. And so um, at that same time, I was also um, volunteering at a after hours um, mentoring and tutoring program for inner city kids that I've been doing since I moved here. So at that point, probably like five years. And so I have a deep love for, like I said, deep love of like helping out people in the community sure. giving people opportunities sure. that I've been blessed with that they might otherwise not have that blessing I to get. That, and so she ex kind of explained what the cafe did, how they're working with men and women who are going through sobriety okay. and um, rehabilitation from, uh, from uh, addiction and dr drug and alcohol abuse. And so I'm like, that's interesting. So um, I said, okay, like, you know, she's like, well, when can you get here? I said, let me Google and see where it's at. I had no idea. So I, my apartment was two blocks from the current, from the cafe. So you're down the street. Literally down the street. I said, I can be there in 10 minutes. And so I said, all right. So I, I walked down and I remember the day that I got, and they still weren't even open yet. Like they hadn't opened the doors. The day that I got here is when they were bringing in the, um, the booths for the restaurant. This building that we're in is, um, I want to say about a hundred years old, 80 years old. Okay. It used to be an old like textile mill. Okay. Um, and, but the rescue mission has always owned it. And so they used to just use it as storage. So this place was like literally from top to bottom was just filled with junk wow. for years. And yeah. they felt like that was wasted. So eventually the idea of the cafe came about. And so they came and they gutted it. So all this brick and the foundation is all original from um, the like 1920s. Wow. And it opened when? It's open. We opened April 4th, uh, 2019. And this was in, I did my interview uh, March 2nd. 2019. A month prior. Yeah. And so it wasn't even an interview. So I came in, I was talking, she um, introduced me to the executive chef at the time. And, and so I was just supposed to be a quick conversation. I think we talked for maybe two hours wow. and ended up signing my paperwork that day. What? Yeah. <laughs> and I took a, I actually took a demotion um, and a pay cut to come and work here. Wow. That's how strongly I felt drawn to being here in their what, mission. What, what drew you so much to it? What was it like that? Seeing how they cared um, and their mission of what they were doing for the men and women who are going through the program, and then also the care that they had for the employees, how they wanted to make this a place where employees could also take the time to grow um, personally, professionally, and leadership, like be able to focus on that. 
But my personal story that kind of like really drew me close to this was, um, so my grandfather, my, my dad's dad, um, World War II vet, then got drafted when he was like 19 or 20. Um, you know, when you're drafted, you're given these promises of like, oh, you know, you get to do all these cool things. And then when you come back, you know, you're gonna get money and you're gonna be able to go to college for free and all that. Well, that wasn't necessarily the case for, you know, black men in the 30s and 40s. And so um, my grandfather, he went to war. As you can imagine, 19, that's a kid, 19, 20 year old kid. It's, it's traumatizing, who's never been out of Hammond, Louisiana and shipped off to like Germany. Um, you know, it's a pretty rough experience. You come back, you get no support, you get no financial funds. You know, the only, the cheapest form of therapy for you is, is either drugs or a bottle. And so my grandfather's vice was uh, alcohol. And so uh, he was an alcoholic for the majority of his life. Um, he died and he was a very, very uh, bad gambler. So he, you know, he had formed an addiction with gambling too. And so my grandfather died when I was five or six, even though I still have very strong memories of him. And he was a huge eater. Like he loved to take us out to eat. Um, he was a barber. He was actually my barber. Like my first barber was a picture of me of getting my first haircut from him. Um, but he was a big eater and like he loved food and he loved like going out to nice places. Um, and so I didn't know this as a kid, but then as I got older, my dad told me like the real story and everything. Yeah. Yeah. And so as when this situation came about of the cafe, the first thought that came to my mind is, man, what if this existed when my grandfather was like around? A full and, yeah. Like what if this existed when my grandfather was around and struggling? Cause um, I mean, I'm sure later we'll go into like the details exactly what the cafe does, but you know, it's completely 100% free for men and women who go, who are in the program. It takes care of everything for you. You just get to focus on um, your recovery. And so I'm like, man, this would like, this would be amazing. So I'm like, well, what I can do is I can be that for somebody else's grandfather, grandmother, mom, dad, sister, cousin, friend, where they're not having to ask that question, man, what if that existed? It does. Yeah. And I can be a part of that to help somebody else's family because addiction touches everybody in some capacity. Um, you don't have to look far to find where it's, you know, hit close, whether it's you personally who's gone through it or somebody else close to your family. Like addiction touches everybody to some capacity, sadly. And so, so yeah, so I'm like, you know what? I will take a pay cut. I will take a demotion to do what we're doing. And so we open our doors um, April 4th, 2019. Okay. Um, started off a little slow. I would be lying if I didn't say after the first two months, I started looking for other jobs okay. just because of how, how literally slow yeah. business was. We probably did like 30 people a day, maybe okay. 50 on a busy day. Um, and so, uh, one of the managers at the time had said, you know, these are the moments where it's important to have faith. It's easy to have faith when things are going well. You have to have faith when shit is hitting the ceiling. That's strong. And so I'm like, okay. So I stayed patient okay. with it and slowly like notoriety start to build yep. um, with us uh, and things start to like really pick up. Um, and we were finally like, you know, you know, like catching, catching our second win. And like, sure. he was like, all right, like we got, we got it down. Like it's going well. Yeah. And then COVID happened. We had no idea what we were supposed to do. Like nobody knew what no, we were, no, nobody knew what they were yeah. doing. Yeah, that's true. Um, and so we all got furloughed um, and it's like, well, we still have to have the programming for um, the men and women who are in the program. And so I think I was gone for two weeks. And then my boss hits me up. He's like, hey, you want to come back um, to do some like some light work and stuff? I was like, oh, yeah, absolutely. I'm ready because um, I have severe adult ADHD. So being at home alone for two too, weeks was I, not healthy. Yeah. And at this time, I didn't know I had ADHD. So I just thought I was going crazy. Yeah. Um, so he hit me up. 
So I came back and I think I was at that point of like maybe one of four employees, excuse me, that was brought back. And so all we were doing was basically like, you know, feeding the students, um, doing a couple like little things, little events, maybe like feeding some construction workers, sending some food to hospitals, things like that. And so then eventually like um, a couple of churches and uh, men's group and organizations was donating us a ton of money to create meals to send out to hospitals, send out to other men's shelters and whatnot. So I think like Elevation gave us like 200,000. Uh, the Panthers gave us like $300,000, literally just to feed make people. meals to feed people. Wow. So we were sending out, I don't know, like 1200 meals a week, something like that. Um, and so that, like I was just coming and doing that with the students. I remember one day I'm like in our storage, just like organizing some stuff. And I'm the only like calling, like the only back house guy that was brought back so far. So I asked my boss like, so hey, so when's like the old like exec and everybody else um, coming back. Um, and so like they said, like they needed to make like some changes and like reform some things. So at that point, like couldn't afford to bring them back or anything. So like, well, so you're the head chef now. So uh, have your menu ready in like two months. And that was the conversation. Like that, that was like, that's the moment I got promoted. And, and, and how long had you been out of culinary school? Two years, two years, something like that. Yeah, I mean, so you're like still kind of fresh out, I was, right? like, I, I mean, was 22. Yeah, I was 22 years old. Fresh out of culinary school. Um, and so I'm like, okay, uh, sure. And when I tell you that I basically just winged it for those first couple months all the way through, like, you know, complete placebo, just faked it till I made it. Um, and I'm like, well, I need these people to have faith in me. So I gotta have some faith in myself sure. if we're gonna do this. Yes. And so one thing that a former mentor of mine taught me was to always keep a notebook on you and to constantly like take notes of ideas of something new that you picked up, whatever it may be. Yeah. So I literally just like opened up all my cookbooks, went through all my notes and just started like going. And I came up with, um, came up with, came up with a rough draft of a menu uh -huh. or whatnot. So by that time, this was I'm trying to think, this was like spring of 20, this is like spring of 2020. And so by fall of 2020, um, they had lifted some of the COVID bans. Yeah. So we were able to open our doors and do some things and the interesting part of what I had to do was, after this, I'm gonna try to switch off and start talking about what we, like yeah, the yeah, cafe yeah, yeah. itself, yeah, go ahead. Um, was I had no staff. So it was me in the kitchen uh -huh. and then the resident students who are not professionals. Sure. Like they're not, most of them have never worked in a kitchen before. Yeah, they're, they're learning. They're yes, learning. they're learning as we're going. So I'm running this restaurant um, and my staff in the kitchen, they will rotate through every couple of weeks to a different position in the kitchen. So I might like take a couple days, train them on the things on the menu, yeah. how to make them, how to prep them, all that stuff. Yeah. Um, and once they get it, by the time they actually get it, it's musical chairs and the next group is oh in. My. And I did that for almost a year. <laughs> Hold on, let's tell you have a timeout real fast <laughs> because you know, I guess coming from a family, my dad owns restaurants, he's had them for 40 years. I grew up in the restaurant from making drinks to wait for waitresses, the takeout to yeah. breading to, you know, it's a Calabash style seafood restaurant is okay. what we have. And there's nothing, I mean, I don't wanna say there's nothing, but it is a frustrating thing when you're, I mean, not only when you're, when you're just, tra listen, there, there is a part where you just have to be patient when mm. teaching somebody, which I totally get. Anybody listening to this that's ever trained anybody, you get, you have to have a, a level of patience because you're kind of, a little bit of an expert at this thing, or you've done it a lot, that you've gotten good at it, and now you're training somebody that's not. Um, but to have that concept, like I, I knew where you were going Turnover with Turnover like every two weeks. Oh my. The only good thing about it is that at least we could plan for it. It's not like, like oh man, if I had to fire somebody else, like 
no. So, all right, they finally got like good at working on garmage and the flat top on the fryer, whatever. Time to move on to the next one. And they couldn't boil water. And it was just like, you know, and didn't matter. <laughs> hey, Kyle, we just had 30, 40 sit down. Like, all right, guys, let's try to get through today. So every, my model then was like every day, just like, just get through today. Yeah. Um, and that's kind of like, you know, that's not a great way to live. Yeah. But during that season, that's kind of all that I can muster oh to get gosh, through. Um, but I'll try to take that in to actually talk about like what the yeah, cafe yeah, does. Let's do it. Let's do it. So, um, so like I said, cafe opened up in uh, April 4th of 2019. Yep. And it came about from, so the Charlotte Rescue Mission is a nonprofit organization, okay. works with uh, men and women who are going through substance abuse. Um, it's a six month program. Um, it, you know, houses men and women, um, helps them kind of to the core, find out where their issues are rooted in. So it works with men and women on a physical level of getting them off of the addiction, yep. um, a mental level of, you know, you know, whether it's, you know, a lot of men and women who have, um, um, drug abuse or alcohol abuse issues um, usually like at a very high percentage have some sort of mental disorder um, associated with it. Um, so working with them with that, with things that like giving them therapy, finding them counselors um, to fix issues that may have never even been exposed to them sure. before. Yep. Um, and then also on a spiritual level, um, you know, finding out what your what a greater purpose is, you know, a higher power. It is a Christian organization, but like, you know, awesome. the, you know, respect to like any religion or anybody that comes in just knowing that there's you know having to go to a higher power whether that higher power you know is yourself you know uh, a figure uh, an ideology or an idea sure. or whatever that may be but something to hold on to and look for okay. so you're not just kind of like in this space of just like what like nihilism wherever whatever happens happens right there's just death to look forward to which is never a good way to live um and so you know, that's a six month program, these men and women at this program, the men's uh, program is called Rebound, the women's program is called Dove's Nest. Um, and Dove's so, Nest? Dove's Nest. Okay. And so, back in 2017, um, there was a very high percentage of women, men and women who were relapsing after finishing the program. And they were realizing that they weren't, they were helping them get clean, they were giving them the steps to stay clean, uh -huh. but they weren't preparing them for being in a world that was not built for them. The world that we live in isn't built for men and women to not to not accept their desires, whether it's unhealthy for them or not. Like, I mean, I'm sure just driving here, you probably saw two or three billboards for alcohol, like on your way here. Like, you know, you can't turn on the TV or, you know, listen to the radio or l listen to music or anything yeah. without hearing that. And that doesn't mean it's bad, but it's not for everybody. Yeah. Um, like that's a, that's a hard thing for people or, you know, music when it comes to drugs. Um, and so, you know, and that's just like what you're hearing and seeing, imagine what you're around. If you're working in the restaurant industry, if you're working in corporate America or any of those things, that stuff is always surrounding you. So it was like a shell shock. Like they'd be here for six months where you're only with people who are in um, recovery. You're only with people who are there for your benefit of getting better. Sure. And so then you get into, I say the real world, everywhere is the real world, but you get outside get of there and now like basically nobody cares. Yeah. Um, all of your coworkers are going out to drink every Friday night. Um, you know, there's, you know, depending on where you're working or whatnot, it's easily accessible to get street drugs, yeah. whatever it may be. So they, they thought, how can we simulate a real world experience for these people where we can give them, put them in a stressful environment and teach them how to properly respond to it? And so I guess they thought, well, nothing's more stressful than the hospitality industry. So like I said, this building had been here for almost 100 years. And so they gutted it out. 
and they said this has the makings to be like a restaurant and cafe. I love that. Um, so they built out that cafe with the um, with a, what we call the life skills program. So the life skills program is what the cafe actually is. So life skills program is um, classes that they actually take um, where they're learning life skills, which is proper forms of communication, um, being knowing how to deal with stress, recognizing what your stressors are, um, why you're reacting to things the way that you are, um, problem, you know, uh, conflict resolution, um, all these things that is day-to-day -day things that beforehand their fixing point to it was going to drugs or alcohol when those came up. So um, we wanted to fix that at the root of it. So we taught them these life skills and then after they learned these life skills, which was like a four or five week course. Um, so they're doing the life skills while they're here and then in the cafe, we're implementing those life skills for them. So all the staff is kind of acting as like educators and teachers, as well as professionals in their designated areas. In their six months here in the cafe, they will rotate throughout every single department. So there'll be a host, there'll be a server, there'll be a busser, there'll be a barista, there'll be a line cook, a prep cook, dishwasher, um, pastry assistant. And every single student will rotate throughout all those departments. And we are teaching them those life skills in a real world setting. Because you know, you come in here, is no different than an actual restaurant. You're gonna get the same kind of service. Yeah, you do. Um, you know, you're gonna get the same high quality level of food, high quality level of uh, coffee and drinks. Um, and the aim is to like, all right, you're gonna come into a customer who doesn't treat you kindly. You're gonna have to, you're gonna, you know, have a issue or problem with one of your coworkers. Um, you're gonna not know what you're doing or just get stressed out from busyness. You know, our job then as staff is to slow things down and ask them and bring up those life skills of like, okay, why are you feeling the way that you're feeling? You know, how can we properly use communication in this scenario? Um, you're having this issue with this person. Did you say X, Y, and Z to them? Okay, how could you have gone about it differently? Yeah. So things like that. So they go through that program while they're doing those things. Uh, we take care of anything and everything for them so they can fully focus on their sobriety. Um, so we take care of their living expense, um, <coughs> uh, travel, um, legal fees, medical fees, um, a child care if need be. Um, so like, you know, cause life is hard enough as it is. Trying to deal with life and getting sober can be close to impossible if you're doing it alone, which is kind of in our namesake of community matters. Um, so as they're building with that, by the time they end, they leave with their surf safe certificate. Uh, we give them uh, resume building, interview skills. Uh, we make sure that they find uh, living afterwards, whether it's within sober living, which is a standard apartment for the most part, but it's more affordable for people who are getting back on their feet after being in active addiction or coming out of a prison system, and everybody who you're living with is also sober. Help them in their job search to make sure that they're leaving here with a place to stay, um, with a job, and all the necessary tools to continue on that with success. Uh, and so since 2019, I think, I wanna say about uh, maybe a little under 200 students or more um, have graduated this program. Nice. Um, we have gone through close to, we might have hit our 500 mark of students who have gone through the program. And, and that's surprisingly high percentage of people like going a six months of sobriety because yeah. majority of the people that come through our program, this is their first time being sober in their life. So when they're here in the cafe, they've only been sober for about a minimum or a maximum of six months. Um, and so that's, and that's a hard reset to be in because yeah. you know, the youngest that we allow in the program is 18 and there's no age limit. So we've had a girl who was 17 who was turning 18 while she was here in the program. I think the oldest person we had was a 78-year-old man, 79-year-old uh, war vet, where this was his first time being clean since he was 18 years old. Wow. 
Um, and I think what it's really taught me is, you know, addiction has no face. You know, it doesn't, it's not, you know, it's not just for the poor, it's not just for the homeless. Um, you know, we've had business, business, like business owners come through this program. We've had, you know, children and kids from like, who came from well-off families who were fully supported from loving families who came through this program. You never know somebody's story. Like I said, um, what undiagnosed uh, mental disorder that they might have that's affected them in this way in their life. Yeah. Um, but I do know that none of that really gets changed without help from other people. Um, a great quote that um, a mentor of mine told me that I'll never forget is that the opposite of addiction is not sobriety. The opposite of addiction is community because to fully be an addict, you can only do that alone. I love that. What, um, what have you seen as far as the progression of the cafe over the last four years? Mm. I mean, you know, obviously you've been here since day one, yeah. you know, minus the two weeks or whatever, yeah. but I, I don't know what it looked like four years ago, but I just know the environment that I've been in here mm. is amazing. Thank you. I, I really, really, really enjoy coming here. And I mean that like, not to blow smoke, I, just, I, I really do. Um, so how, how has that been seeing the evolution of four years ago to now, mm. you know, I'm sure you've seen processes get better. The curriculums get better. Everything just get, you know, tighten, tighten, tighten and get yeah. better. So, uh, what's that like seeing, because I mean, you know, there's, there's people that are watching this that are want to start a business or want to change careers. And, you know, they, they think they have to have everything figured out and it's not possible. Yeah. Like you, you just got to start. And, and kind of go on faith and, you know, kind of fake it, you know, until you make it, like, like what you were saying. Um, like, that's how, that's how anything, you know, everything starts small and it, and it, and it grows. And so what's, what's that been like seeing the progression of four years now, four and a half years um, of the cafe? It has been, it feels very cliche to say this, but it's like a roller coaster ride, for real. Um, you know, there's our ups and our downs, um, but one, to see how the community has embraced us over this time, I mean, we have regulars here who, you know, have been coming since day one. I mean, we got one guy who's ordered the exact same thing every Tuesday, Wednesday, and Friday to a T, to where we have a button in the system of his name. You Just, have a button for him? Yes, DeAndre, DeAndre, if you see this, <laughs> your two egg whites, scrambled hard, turkey sausage, um, crispy bacon, uh, wheat toast, no butter, jam, butter on the side. Yeah. Oh my. Everything. There's a button for DeAndre. Yep. <laughs> so um, to see how the community has embraced us and, um, you know, our regulars that come in or support our students who donate to our students um, to, you know, see how we've been able to progress on the food side um, to, you know, to be more adventurous. Like we start off like just really, really simple. Like I said, because before it was just me yeah. and students. I'm glad to say now I have like professional staff, staff yep. with me. So one way less stress on the students, um, more ability to actually train the students where I'm like, okay, you need to get this down so we can serve food to people yeah. till now, okay, we have professional staff who can do it, but they can jump on there with them and they can train you to learn this stuff, but it's not a necessity for you to be able to like produce this stuff so we can keep business going. Um, so to see how we've been able to elevate the menu, um, I do have like, excuse me, a bit of like a fine dining background. so. I worked for, I volunteered for the Emerald Legacy Foundation all throughout high school, so I would do events with him, like his Carnival de Vin event, which brought in like chefs from all around the world. Um, his Bear, Bear Bourbon and Boudin event, which was like a street festival that was really, really cool. Again, in New Orleans, there's always a festival going on, so I did a lot of work with festivals. Um, I was able to do an internship at a restaurant in New Orleans called Shia, um, which was like modern Israeli. 
um, wow. modern Israeli cuisine, which gave me a passion for Israeli and Northern African cuisine. Wow. Um, my year, my when I was doing the internship there, they had just they had won the um, James Beard for best new restaurant in the country. Um, and I was, I'll say I was 18 or I was 19 while I was there. Um, so that lit a fire under me, just like helped me like better understand like what fine dining looks like, um, how fine dining kitchens are run. Yeah. Um, and then like, like I said, it lit a passion under me for like that uh, Israeli, Middle Eastern, Northern African cuisine, which I blended a lot into like my culture of Creole and Cajun cuisine, um, which has a lot of similarities in it. Um, and so like I've been able to like implement a lot of those things like I, we are not a Cajun or Creole or New Orleans style restaurant sure. or yeah. Middle Eastern restaurant but I love to be able to play with those ingredients some of those techniques and apply them into like simple dishes here at the cafe and I love to see how the community is being able to embrace those things um, I love um, you know the staff that comes here you know to see how we've grown as a unit um, from day one we still have five of the original staff members that were here from day one who are yeah. now like, if they didn't start off as actual acting managers, like they're all acting managers now. Yeah. Um, so for us to have grown as a unit, the probably the most stereotypical thing that I hear in businesses is that, oh, we're a family here. So I don't know how much more strongly I can say this, like the family unit that's here at this cafe, um, you know, is second to none that I've ever worked with or seen. And I think it's mostly due to, it is impossible to not open up emotionally here um, while working with the students to the capacity that we do. These students come from super traumatic situations and lives. They've dealt with so much in their life um, and we're there to help them overcome those things. Yeah. And that's a lot. And while you're experiencing that on their side, uh -huh. it's hard for you to not have to do that as well. Cause it's hard for an unhealthy person to help a, help, to help a person who's trying to get healthy. Um, so we have to also be willing to expose ourselves. Um, I like to say like, we kind of have to like for a little bit of our time here, be an open nerve. And there's, there's a lot of people that we've hired here who didn't make it sure. for that reason. And no, like, not like, oh, they weren't good employees, no, but no, like they weren't, they weren't ready for it. It's a lot, you know, I tell people like when I'm interviewing them, if they're trying to get a job here, like first I'll say like, oh, all the benefits and all the good things that we have here. And it's like, now, like, you know, Here's you, the real stuff. <laughs> are, are you not open to crying? Because you won't make it here if you can't cry. Because yeah. it's going to happen. You're going to hear a story that's going to touch your heart. Yeah. Um, you're going to be open to things where it's like, I don't think I was ready to like deal with that in the moment. Um, you know, you have to be very self-sacrificial to things because, you know, like I said, our students are looking. They came here to get their lives saved. Yep. And if you're not prepared to go down in that ditch with them to help them out, then it's not, for you. It's, it's not for you. And it's as simple as that, not you're not skilled enough, you're not no. good enough, you're not mature enough. Okay. It's just not built for everybody. I think that's why the management that's here, um, that's why they've been here so long um, because this, this was for them, this was their area of growth. And I'm a completely different person from when I started here at 22 okay. than I am now at 26. So, you know, going still answering your question, yeah. um, seeing that growth of the staff's growth here and how we've been able to implement and bring in the staff that we have here. We have a really, really strong team here of men and women who are sold in to what we're doing of how we're helping these men and women and equipping them for themselves. And then also getting ourselves and our lives better. Sure. Um, you know, I, when I started working here, it was the first time I ever went to therapy because we're um, given uh, free counseling and therapy through the program. Um, that's one of our benefits that we have due to the nature of what we work and the people, clientele yeah. that we're dealing with. Yeah. Um, and so that's open a lot for me. Um, and I know for a lot of our other staff too, uh, and so just being able to see that progression and growth 
on the food side, on the emotional standpoint, on the leadership standpoint. Yeah. Um, it's been amazing. Okay, let's, let's wrap up by doing this. What are some goals that we have here at the cafe? How can everybody help? Some, some action things. Obviously, yeah. come support. I mean, that's yeah. first and foremost, come here, get some coffee, get some yeah. breakfast, you know, but how else, what else are you guys looking forward to? What are, are there other goals? Are you guys looking at new facilities? I mean, where, where are we at with that? So, well, like you said, one, come and support. Every penny you spend here on food, on coffee, on merchandise goes directly back to our resident and students um, programming. So it goes to um, their housing, it goes to um, their their food, getting more students in the program, like all that directly goes back into supporting them in the life skills program. Um, secondly, um, volunteers, you know, if you know, we're always accepting volunteers, come and donate your time. You know, not everybody has the money, but everybody has time to do something. Come and donate your time, come and spend time and hear the stories of these students, have a meal with them, um, come have fun with us, you know, help, help serve, help, um, help, if you have skill, come and help and cook with us, um, help host. All those things, um, Charlotte Rescue Mission itself offers all those too. Um, and yeah, and then, you know, spread the word of who we are. Like come, come and eat and just spread who we are. You know, I'm always working to get more and more people exposed to what we do. I had a really cool chance a couple years ago to one of my old chefs and mentors who now runs a Michelin star restaurant in Chicago to go and speak to his restaurant uh, about what we do here. So like, and I had like a bunch of like Michelin star chefs follow, follow me on Instagram and follow the uh, cafe on Instagram and like repost us. Um, so, you know, getting our name out there just to, you know, not for the sake of fame or anything, but to, you know, tell these men and women that yeah. they matter and then people are there for them as a community and that community grows every day. And then in terms of things that we're excited for, um, we are not going to speak too much on it, but we are like hopefully looking to expand and grow and branch to create more programming for our students to help them grow in like uh, maybe more specific areas within leadership and within hospitality. Um, looking to do like more partnerships with other restaurants, um, you know, more collaboration. I have a great relationship with so many chefs in this city. Um, great friends with like um, Greg Collier, um, Sam Demonich, and these guys, and looking to do more things with Sounds them. Great. Awesome people. Yeah. Um, you know, Sam shares his story obviously with sobriety and whatnot, so we've had a great connection with him. Um, and so yeah, so you know, really just kind of looking forward to the future of what it holds, and because I didn't think from when I started here that we'd be where we're at now. I could have never imagined it. I couldn't even known to ask for where we're at now. Um, so really just, you know, hoping for, be able to move, move forward with the same amount of passion and love and excitement that I get to do every day. Love that, love that. Brother, this was like beyond, I love this. I'll, I'll be honest with you, I, I, everything that you talk about is um, giving back, helping, Helping the community, that's like me. Like I, like, you know, any, any, you ask any of my friends, like that's um, the fabric of who I am. So um, I love it. Kyle Johnson, it was a pleasure, man. It really was. I love what you guys are doing, the purpose, the cause. Um, you know, let's, let's, let's share, talk about, support. Um, and uh, yeah, man, I mean, listen, it's, uh, this is a people helping people industry and you guys are, are doing it, you know, on the ground floor and executing it at an awesome level. And so um, appreciate the time. Absolutely. Thank you so much. Thank you. If you guys are not following or have not been here to uh, Community Matters Cafe, stop by, support these guys, follow their content, volunteer, everything. And um, appreciate you. And with that, we'll see you guys on the ne next episode. Thanks.
the restaurants you love, the food you crave, and the people that make it all happen. We tell their stories on the Paper Trails podcast with Albemarle Paper Supply.